Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. In this episode, we were discussing the rather mysterious Swedish Rite. So where did it come from? How long has it been about? What do they practice? Hopefully this question and more will be answered. Uh, in that case, it's over to you, Brother Angel. Thank you very much. Uh, a brother from Sweden uh, wrote to me recently, and uh, he was uh, wondering if we'd be interested in talking about the Swedish Rite. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know much about it. And when I looked into it, uh, it was really quite interesting. It goes back to 1735, so um, the, some of the earliest lodge, the earliest lodge was, I think, found, uh, found in 1735, and then the moderns, uh, which is uh, by this time the Grand Lodge of England, uh, recognised mm -hmm. the, uh, the Swedish writers being um, in line with our thinking in 1771. Uh, present, there are about uh, near just under 50,000 members in six countries. And this I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, there are 16,000 members in Sweden and Finland. and um, uh, But there are also 16,000 in Norway. Yeah. And so if there's 16,000 in Sweden and Finland... Uh, uh, Sweden has a population of about 10 million and yeah. Finland half of that. That seems to, to, to be the Swedish Norway. ride is more popular in Norway. Norway than yeah, the Norwegian ride. <laughs> Not quite sure how that works out. Anyway, uh, I'm sure the brother will talk to me about this. Um, there are also 8,000 brethren in Denmark and 3,500 in Germany and also Iceland, interestingly. Mm. Hmm, so that's about one third in Norway, one third of the 50,000 members uh, divided between Sweden and Finland, and then 15%. So the interesting thing is that unlike our lodges, it has the higher degrees uh, as one set in, in a 10 degree ritual. So you start off with the three degrees. Uh, apprentice, photograph, and master mason. They call these the St. John's degrees. Mm -hmm. And then after this, um, they have the St. Andrew's degrees, two of those, five and six. And then the chapter degrees, which is um, a knight of the east, uh, a knight of the west, and uh, two other higher degrees, uh, St. John's Lodge and the St. Andrew's Lodge. Um, so that's the 10 degrees. And if you want to be in the Grand Lodge, you have to take a, an 11th degree, which is called the Knight and Commander of the Red Cross. I believe this is the Red Cross of Constantine. Mm -hmm. um, so what we're seeing here is um, a, and there's a very good video by uh, a member of the Lodge. Um, his name is Professor Andreas. Uh, honor force i hope that pronunciation is correct um who tries to align th the structure with our western way of um three degrees and the, the either the royal or uh, the york right or the scottish right and um 
one thing he said that uh, he, which I thought was good, that um, he calls the Swedish right the uh, IKEA of Freemasonry <laughs> because you get everything in one package. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute. But um, looking at it, it seems, firstly, um, it it isn't something you just flow through like in America, uh, Scottish rights there, they can take the whole 30 degrees in a weekend, you know, which makes a, a kind of travesty of the whole thing. But in the Swedish right, it takes between one and two years to pass each degree. So to just to pass, to get to Master Mason can be take between three to six years. And uh, some people take up to 20 years to complete all 10 degrees. Mm -hmm. So it's really quite serious. And um, uh, I think their dedication is slightly, um, they take it more seriously than uh, other constitutions around the world, which is yeah. interesting. Uh, also, there is no automatic progression of officers. So every year they presumably, um, I'm not quite sure if it's every year or every two years, but um, there's an election for officers. The master himself is actually sits for five to six years as master. Interesting. So um, uh, there's no of this, none of this hurrying through the, the, the chairs to become master and then sit in the, in the glorious uh, um, in the south as a past master and do, do nothing. This is obviously very different. There seems to be an emphasis here on Knights Templar and um, hmm. uh, Brother Onafors talks about the Knights Templar being aligned with the eighth degree, um, their eighth degree, that is. Hmm. Well, when we look at it, um, one of the interesting things is it seems to be, for example, uh, the St. Andrews, obviously important. The fifth and sixth degrees are to do with St. Andrew. And again, in the 10th degree, um, it's uh, St. Andrew's Lodge. The St. Andrews, I was thinking, why is this emphasis on St. Andrews? Well, I believe it's to do with the Templars. The Templars were disbanded in, in 1314, and the same year they went to Scotland and helped Robert the Bruce, who was at the time King of Scotland, mm -hmm. uh, and he helped. Uh, they helped him win the Battle of uh, Bannockburn. The thing about Bannockburn is interesting is that um, King Edward, uh, the King of England, had 27,000 soldiers, and the Scots only had 6,000, a quarter, less than a quarter of his mm -hmm. army. But I think when the Templars came, they were such... Uh, professional soldiers that they helped win the Battle of Bannockburn. And um, that eventually lay, led to Scotland uh, able to claim independence from England. So yes. the Battle of Bannockburn was an extremely uh, important turning point, and therefore Robert the Bruce um, uh, established a... a um, uh, uh, what they call it, um, a knighthood, um, a, a I forget what the word is, a decoration. Yes, ah. a decoration. The Knights of St. Andrews was named for, uh, for these right. um, right. Templars. 
And so mm-hmm. that's where you get the Andrew from. Of course, so St. Andrew's is the patron saint of Scotland. So it all ties in the Templars, the St. Andrew's, the Knights of St. Andrew's. That makes sense. And, however, it seems that there's actually also um, a political um, thing about this. So at the time, um, what the, the Swedes called the Age of Liberty, from 1719 to 1772, uh, there were two political factions or two leading ones. One was called uh, in Swedish, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up, but <laughs> hatana, I think it's hatana, which means hat, like a hat on your head. Mm-hmm. And the opposite party were the masona, um, right. the cap, the caps. So you had the caps for the working class, yeah. the peasants and the clergy, but all the um, uh, elites and the Lord. um, the lords and uh, whatever, uh, aristocracy, they wore hard hats. And the uh, hats actually ruled in Sweden from for about 30 years, from 1738. Mm-hmm. And they made... Um, alliances with france and particularly russia and um ah right okay so then the uh in the hats there were um three or four ecossais masons well these ecossais mm. were a type of uh early scottish right in france mm-hmm. uh, that was being established they had um many degrees uh, they called Ecosse's degrees, and there's a, a brother Carl uh, Gillenborg, Carl Tessung, and a, a brother Sheffer. And I think the Sheffer was most important. So the first lodge was set up in 1735. It seemed to fall into decay three de- three years later. King Frederick the First banned Freemasonry under the pe- penalty of death. Obviously, this would have had a, a chilling effect. <laughs> but seven years later, in 1745, the ban was lifted, and suddenly the craft became very um, popular. And uh, the next king, um, King Adolphus, actually declared himself to be the protector of Freemasonry. Mm. And so in England... Um, the Prince of Wales, who was to become uh, later George, the Prince of Wales later to become King George the Fourth, was mm. also um, Grand Master. <clears throat> um, so then, other kings, uh, King Gustav the Third, he became a Freemason. Um, his brother, who was later to become King Charles the Eighth, he became Grand Master, and other kings also really supported the uh, growth of Freemasonry. So it's like in England, when you have aristocracy really interested in something um, and it grows mm-hmm. and then nobility are uh, invited and eventually royalty become the, the figureheads, mm-hmm. uh, this leads to the success of Freemasonry. Yes. One of the issues I have, I don't know if it's an issue, but... Um, the whole system was set up by Jacobites, and the two main people here um, was Charles Radcliffe, 
Um, he was known as um, the, was it the Duke, I forget, uh, the Duke of Derrantwater or Lord Derrantwater. Anyway, he was given a title um, by uh, the, uh, was, would have been, what time was this? 1730. So it was James the mm. second would King James the second, who's the, the um, old pretender. He would have been alive, yes. and he was giving out titles to people. And um, uh, the um, Derrant Water, his family um, was, I think, uh, had trouble in England. And eventually, he was arrested and put in the tower where he died, I believe. Mm. And another person was James Keith. Um, he set up uh, Swedish lodges in 1743. He was um, in in Scotland uh, at the time, 1719, the 1719 uprising of the Jacobites, where they were defeated at Glen Shields. Mm -hmm. He found himself later in prison in Paris and uh, then joined the Spanish army uh, at the siege of Gibraltar. Well, when an Eng a Scots person joins the Spanish army, then suddenly we're talking about treason. That's what I was going to say. And, uh, this is what happened to the Duke of Water, uh, Wharton. Who, <laughs> our, our old friend. Uh, our old friend. He was also at the siege of Gibraltar, and <sighs> uh, he was attainted... Uh, in blood, I think the term is, and he had his his uh, all his assets, his title was taken, assets, land was all taken from him, <laughs> and he ended up dying in poverty. Um, still, uh, James Keith, um, he set up a, a lodge. Uh, at the time, he was the provincial grand master for Russia, but again, these are Jacobite lodges and. Right. Uh, the ritual's different and the structure's different, and basically they were not kosher. <laughs> no, that was um, my next next question is, do you think there's a link between this outpouring of Freemasonry, Jacobite Freemasonry, and Freemasonry making its way to Russia? Yes, so I think the the whole thing is that it's the aristocracy that are pushing this. It's not the the lower, the working classes or blue collar people is all mm -hmm. aristocrats and aristocrats um, who tend to be wealthy have connections over borders. So you live in, in uh, Paris, but you have a cousin in Sweden, you've got yes. friends in Germany, you know, it's just one big <laughs> Europe to them. Mm -hmm. And at times they were fighting, but um, they were often married, uh, married, to women from other countries, princesses again from yeah. Russia. So um, it, this is an interesting point. Um, so what the real issue was that in France, there was the, the proliferation of, we talked about this previously when we talked about uh, Catholicism and Freemasonry, but in France, so the Jacobites had a, a like a two-year lead on the Premier Grand Lodge in establishing lodges in France. And they set up um, the, the, Grand, uh, the Grand Lodge of France, yes. and they had, uh, again, Wharton made himself Grand Master. These were all <laughs> Jacobites. And so they tried to promote the Jacobitism, 
<laughs> to other countries, and Sweden was one of the countries. I think the grand scheme was to raise armies and to bring them to England to fight to put the Stuarts back on the throne. And yeah, at one time in the future, when you have a well-established Jacobite lodges and grand lodges, not just Sweden, but in, in France and other countries, you're, you, you know all the nobility, you know mm -hmm. the kings, you can say, well, wouldn't it be grand if we ro rose up and attacked England? <laughs> you know? And mm -hmm. um, I think that was the back of, I know the French were thinking of that, um, Perhaps they also thought that um, this is what happened in Sweden. Eventually, obviously, it didn't do. Interesting. Um, but the interesting thing is the emphasis on, on the St. Andrews, the Templars, um, which is probably a little bit different from England, which tended to go to the York right. And um, so then you get the Royal Arch degrees, uh, which is a difference. Of course, um, the other thing is that um, the though there are six countries who uh, operate Swedish ritual, Sweden, Finland, and Iceland, um, when you become a um, uh, go through the higher degrees, you no longer have to pay the membership fees of the lower uh, lower yes. orders. Yes. So you just you you. Um, uh, you don't retain your membership in, in the craft degrees. Interesting. So you only pay dues for the degree. But mm -hmm. in Denmark, Norway, and Germany, you have to pay for all the <laughs> all mm. the dues. Each each degree you've gone to. So like I, I'm in York Rite, Scottish Rite, and Blue Lodge. Now I have to pay for three three different um uh, Jews. Yeah, this is very similar to what happens in in Germany, and um, of course, and if you know the geography of Scandinavian countries, um, the the distances that people have to go are really. Oh quite, yeah, that's true. Quite yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose but, just um, sorry, um, just looking yeah. back, you could say that the Jacobite lodges were almost a crucible for political ferment. They were being used yeah. for nefarious purposes in some. In some it doesn't seem to be. I mean, it doesn't seem that to be that they were like that. There was. Um, it seems that because the kings were often masons or grandmasters or protectors yes. of the, that it was the thing to be part of. Sure, sure. And so I don't think they joined for political reasons, though there were the hats and the caps. These two political parties, and the uh, the hats were particularly aligned with um, the uh, Rosicrucians and France, mm -hmm. and what happened in France, and they wanted to bring it into Sweden, I suppose. But um, my my understanding is really shallow, and I you know I think it'd be interesting. Uh, if anyone wanted to have a look, um, Professor Andreas Onafors has a very interesting video uh, on the Swedish right, and uh, I think you should talk to the fountain, talk to the hand. That's, that, that's fascinating. <laughs> well, that's very informative. And, but it's interesting. Um, this is very much Templar, Scotland, uh, St. Yeah. Andrews-based uh, rituals. Okay. Very interesting. I'll, um, I'll put a... 
I'll write the chap's name in the description. And yes. Then you can use that for a Google search. Okay, oh, I'll weird. send I'll send you a link. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that. That was very informative. Uh, My pleasure. We, we now part on the square, and we will meet soon. Thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye.